Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to this week's Misery Hunters podcast. I am not Jamie Coburn. Jamie Coburn is currently standing outside the main door at the Smyza Stadium protesting the board and the management and wants them all gone, particularly over the signing of Mek Mememememem, who's one of the least popular players on the Facebook group, if you go and have a look. Who is joining me, though, is Sam Smith. Good evening. How you doing, Sam? You all right? All good. Uh, aye, just a bit scunnered with the four games that we've got to speak about, but there is a win in there, so... Yeah, that's enough to keep the keep the people going, keep them coming back. <sighs> it's unusual. I think this is the most amount of games we'll have to actually speak about on a podcast before. It's the first time <laughs> I've actually missed a weekly upload in a long time as well. I know, I know. And, and to be honest, given that there's been Misery Hunter's babies born, this year, life shows the plan, and all sorts. I think uh, I think we're doing all right to keep uh, to keep churning out top quality content for the people. Um, that last week might actually be the first week we've not released either a main podcast or a Patreon episode in uh, like a year. Aye, you enough. Aye. maybe one other week that we didn't. Uh, that we didn't do it. Um, but uh, yeah, needs must sometimes. On that subject, though, um, we, we mention often enough and we'll mention it up front this time. We have just given away our November prize draw, which was one of the match winner retro tops the club are now selling. And to celebrate Christmas, as we did in the summer, we've got a bit of a, a bumper giveaway this time round. So for anyone that pays a £3 membership subscription at any point in December, so that could be today, it could have been on the first of the month, it could be on Hogmanay, if you fancied it, although you will get charged for January, at the start of January, um, which, to be honest, I like just as much. Um, anyone who pays a membership subscription this month goes into a draw, and in January, we will be giving away a half-season ticket. Um, I think uh, 
giving away tickets and, and putting ticket money back into the club's definitely been the theme of this season so far with the stuff we've done with Help a Buddy with the season ticket in the summer and with this one and hopefully it means that there's an extra body at the, the football that might not have been there otherwise so again £3 a month gets you into the Patreon gets you access to our Discord server which seems to be a very friendly place to talk about someone and laugh at people who absolutely lose, lose the run of themselves after a loss against uh, against small opposition like St Johnston um, gets you access to the full back catalogue of bonus podcasts some weeks that's an extension of what we've been talking about in the main podcast sometimes it's themes this week we're going to be looking at the 11 other teams in division with January in mind and plucking a couple of dollars off the money tree and if we could pick one player from each of those 11 sides in the division then uh, that's what we'll be doing we'll create a bit of a shopping list for Stephen Robinson and Martin Foyle and uh, yeah, over and above that, plenty of uh, good stuff to be found. So we'd encourage you all to stick in if uh, if you fancy it. But anyway, that's enough of the sales stuff. Let's uh, let's moan about the football. Do you want to start with last night, Sam? Does that seem the, the best place to go? Aye, saves us getting back a few weeks. We'll, I mean, we'll leave the best till last then, because that is what has last the the win against Livingston, isn't it? So, aye, oh, well. so long ago. Uh Contrary to what I've read online and like on Twitter, the Facebook pages and like the forums and that, I actually don't think they were as bad last night as what some people thought. I I think you stick that performance in the middle of a bit of patchy form. A couple of wins, a couple of draws, maybe the odd defeat. I don't think anyone's talking about it. I think you're annoyed to have left, you know, probably all three points. In Perth, uh, but it's not some it's not a symptom or it's not the confirmation you've been looking for that the manager doesn't know how to manage anymore or anything else. I think you put it at the end of the spell that we're currently in and it it kind of stokes the fire up a bit. I, I, I don't agree with some of the apocalyptic stuff on on Facebook and Twitter and, and all the rest of it. But you can't hide from it. It's not it's that, not great and a decent performance but missing four very, very scorable chances and handing a penalty away in the ninety seventh minute. Do you mean it's it's cause for concern in anyone's anyone's book? Aye, aye. I don't. I, I think a lot of people are kind of. I, I hate. I, I I still. I don't hate it. I do think there's a place where like, I know. Like, see if you get told at the start of the season, you'd be fourth in December. But I do think it's because of how high the standards we set at the start of the season. Right? And bear in mind, this is a team we beat four 0 What? Just over a month ago, like, and honestly, looking at last night's performance from them, I don't think they were drastically different. Maybe no. a bit better at the back, but not that you and we could have scored four times again. It was our own doing that we didn't. It wasn't because St Johnston were better organised, and to be honest, they looked as likely to score last night as they did last Aye. time round. It literally took us kicking one of the players up the arse in the box for them to Aye. get a goal. I don't. I don't think it's the. I don't think it's time to hit the like panic buttons yet. I mean, I'm seeing guys going on and posting like, "Oh, that's the top six done." We've seen the same stuff last season. We were sitting fifth or sixth in the league, and guys are like, "Oh, that's top six done," and forgetting to actually look at the league table and seeing where you are and how many points you've accumulated. Like, we've not became a bad team over the spell of like five or six games. We've not like it isn't a great run, and what that's now four defeats and. 11, I think. I think so. Like two, two, uh, four defeats in 10 and 11, one of the two, I can't remember. Uh, 
it's it's not great. Like it's it's far from great. It's and it's no we're not accepting it. And but I just think there's ways to react to to losing. And our fans see me kind of do it the wrong way. To be honest, it's just we can't ever we can't win without getting ahead of ourselves, and we can't lose without properly losing the heat and just completely forgetting where you are. But that performance wise, last night I actually thought we moved the ball a lot better for the first time in a, a, a maybe the last three or four games. I thought we moved the ball with purpose. We pressed really well. Yeah, forced Johnston into a lot of errors. Won the ball pretty high up the park. But again, all of that's fine. But if you're not putting the ball in the net and you're giving away daft penalties in the last minute of the game, you're, you're not going to win football matches doing that. I don't feel I don't feel like a young girl will get a chance like that one when he was running onto the ball in the box in the rest of the season and not score. Aye. I don't think Jameson will have a chance like that with a save like that. Again, this season, I don't think Mandron will hit the post from two yards away this season. And I actually think the one with Mandron was, wasn't as easy as what people were saying, to be no, honest. No, no I, I'm not... Um, you know, we're not talking like Peter Van here, but I, I think... Um, he should he should have put it back to to get there and to get the foot on it that it does. He should have enough to to put it in the no. post. I think I don't think that's been pernickety. I think that's just been kind of professional like, no, striker. Like he's 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 doing what he's there to to do, and if he can get a foot on it, he should really be able to. No, to I think if he scored it. score first in that game last night, would have won it comfortably. I think I don't think yeah, it would have been any so. dangerous at Johnston. Coming back into it, uh, I think the the one that sticks sticks it for me was Kelty's miss. That's yeah. that's abysmal. That I think that's the worst of the lot. He's he's about four yards out for goal, and he just powder puff header into the ground straight up into the keeper's hands. Like all he's got to do, rather than head into the ground, just put something on it. He doesn't need to. All he's got to do is let it hit off his head, and it's going It's going flying past the goalkeeper for that range. You know, for the couple, of, the one from Dunn. You know, Dunn was really, really unlucky, but the one that forced the, the incredible save for Mitov in the second half as well. But yeah, it's hard when your luck's no in. Your luck's no in. Stuff goes against you. And, like you get punished for. I'm not saying stuff goes against you as if we've made a mistake. It's just that your mistakes are heightened when you're not scoring up at the other end of the park. And yeah, it's it's a catastrophic error for Dunn. I think there's. I'm keen that we do talk about some of the other games and the the running. Actually, I, th- I think it kind of goes beyond the last three four games. Um, in a bit of context, but but to to round things off so that we've we've covered it all, there are some talking points that come up from from last night's game. Um, I wouldn't like to think that I don't or we don't ever criticise Stephen Robinson. Uh, I think it's important to to criticise when you know when when there's stuff there that it appears wrong on the. The face of it, I think you can do that without, like, completely losing the head. Uh, exactly losing the run of, of yourself for what's happened over the last eighteen months. I mean, I saw someone saying that he's been found out after a lucky year and a bit. So I'm, I'm sorry if you've been successful for a year, a year and a bit, <laughs> a year and a bit out of what eighteen months that you've been the manager. Then I think the exceptions, maybe the rest of it, but that's by the by. Um, I, th- I think it is important to to kind of throw up some things that that seem hard to understand. Um and the substitutes um last night would certainly fall into to that category. I think at this point you've got to assume that there's something that we are not seeing. Be that um fitness levels, 
application and training, Aye. kind of positional discipline, maybe. But for Flynn already, I mean, for my money, Flynn is probably, and, I, and I'm a, a big fan of Ryan Flynn. Flynn, I would have thought, would have been your fourth choice. Right wing back. For him to be second choice, to go off and to still not bring on kind of one of the direct replacements that it looked like we had sitting on the bench, it feels like a very strange, I really felt strange option for, to take. I really felt for Bolton last night when McMenamin came on. I just, uh, it's a guy who's come up here probably to get himself in the shop window and get a good a good move to a top end League One team because that's that's where he was playing before. That's that's the reputation he's got down south. He's obviously these injuries. He's probably come up here to try and play every week in the shop window. And you know, fair enough, see at the start of the season when he the team were playing, you know, we were playing really well. You could understand why he wasn't getting a chance. But I think just the way the way things have went the last few weeks, I really don't know. The last night I just thought you're never going to get on and then lo and behold five minutes later he gets on. But even that change is bizarre as well, Mark. Bringing on Bolton yeah, for Tanzer when you've yeah. got when you've got Terry Small sitting there, and I think we spoke about it on in our own chat. And like I think Andrew said at first, like Robinson made a rod for his own back by saying that Small could play right wing back because yeah. that that's now like every fan has it in their head. Terry Small's a right wing back when he's. I mean, Thierry Small is an 18-year-old who his most sustained run in a team at professional level has been us. And that was, what, 11 games, 11, 12 games or something might have played last yeah. season. Like, he's inexperienced. And I think Robinson meant it as a kind of, he could as a last resort play right wing back. He also then said he could play along the front three. But I think that seems to hit, that's added to it a wee bit more because it's still fresh in people's mind. You think, oh, he could he could easily play there, but to bring on McMenamin at wing back again, I just didn't understand it. And I really, I, I really like McMenamin. I think he's been a great. I think he's actually had a better season than people are giving him credit for. Absolutely. But aye, the decision making was was mental last night. It, it's what makes me think that there there must be a piece that we are not seeing, and and you know, kind of justifiably. We're not being told, you know. I don't think it's a good manager that comes out and says, you know, I, I probably would have played Terry Small last night, but he's absolutely bogging in training. Or, you know, he's a, a talented boy, but, you know, he's pretty stupid, so I don't really trust Aye. him. Like, not, um, I'm not saying that we we, sh- we deserve that kind of insight or, or honesty. I don't think that's how the game's played, but I think there has to be something. I mean, not to do the, the kind of Snyder insider information kind of thing, but I think everything that we'd kind of been suggested earlier in the season when Strain, I think after the Rangers game when Strain was going to be out, was that Small was the, the one that was going to come in and, and start. So it was a bit of a surprise that he, he didn't. And since then, it, it just feels like he's not really had a, a look in. I mean, coming on at Dundee and playing kind of left wing almost, that's as much as I can really think of him, of him doing. I can't last... think of another game. Yeah. I've, I can't think of another time I've seen him play this season. Yeah, it's a strange one. I think I can understand why you know a nineteen-year-old guy he had two red cards last year. Undoubted talent there. I'm not surprised that he came back. I'm surprised that he came back and he's not been given a a sniff. But you can kind of understand why he's maybe just not 
not quite applied themselves to it yet or, or whatever. It's maybe not a, a kind of given thing that you can just slot straight in. It'll maybe take a bit of a work. The, the strange, Marcus Fraser can play right wing back, right? He's not Ryan Strain. He's not uh, right. kind of marauding right wing back, but Marcus Fraser can slot out onto the side. He's comfortable coming forward with the ball. Why you wouldn't just do the kind of square peg thing and just move Fraser out one, stick Bolton in the position that he's comfortable in. And honestly, I, I don't know that I've seen Bolton do much wrong since he actually since I, he, I thought, he, he looks yeah, pretty solid. I said on a I said in Pine Bob last night, I'd obviously the guy. I think I'll, I may as well we'll go back to naming idiots on the podcast. The guy uh, the guy Alan McLean just blatantly posted a lie and he was like, oh Robinson doesn't he doesn't he think doesn't he rate him because he's not as fast. Like it's it's just it's just made up. But I think going back to last night when Bolton came on, I actually thought Bolton looked the most comfortable on the ball out of the three defenders that yeah. were on. And, and probably I'll, I'll include Fraser in that as well. I think Bolt, everything Bolton done looked as if it had a purpose. Every pass that he played looked as if it had a bit of intent behind it. There was thought rather than just what we've been doing recently, knocking the ball long and just kind of knocking in areas for aimlessly. And I, I just can't for the life of me understand why it took until Tanzer getting injured and Strain getting injured for Robinson to finally give Bolton a shot when. I think it's pretty clear that the guy's more than capable of doing it. Yeah. But again, we're not we're not we don't watch training every day, we're not privy to it, we're not privy to it. And we don't and, and as you say, like we don't really deserve that type of that type of like talk from the manager to come out and say, Oh, by the way, James Bolton's not playing because he's not been great in training. Like we don't we don't need to yeah. know that. It's the same with Carson, like I'd love to know what happened there, but I don't expect you know, a, a manager with kind of bigger aspirations to come out and absolutely torch an international goalkeeper who knows lots of people. <laughs> it's, it's just not the kind of done, the done thing. So I don't think we're necessarily going to hear much as to why that's the case, but it it deserves discussion. I, th- I think it's a, it's a strange one. I, I think also I don't want to lose the, the thread that we did look better in the second half. Um. For sure, we we were better than we were in the in the first half. So, all that being said, you know, um, you know, it wasn't an absolute disaster. But yeah, I mean, the certain things that kind of come back around when these things are are spoken about. You know, quite a few shouts for grieve to get, you know, um, tight like starts again when we're not scoring. I, do you mean what? What are we two years into the Alex grieve? Don't want to say experiment, and that's harsh, but we're two years into the Alex Grieve experience. If he was going to be our starting striker and score regularly as a starter, He'd have done it he, he would have been starting games and he would have scored <laughs> more goals as a starter. He is a very, very effective substitute and someone I'm very happy to have in the squad, but I would be worried if that should be we were, relying on uh, if we were in this run and we thought, you know what, the way out of this is it's to it's to turn to that. I think Mandron not the perfect striker, but you're not going to get the the perfect striker. He's an effective target man when you play to his strengths and you give him someone to kind of play off of that, that suits that. And I don't think... I mean, and you saw that he should have scored last night. So he did get the service last night and he probably should have put one away. And no one's talking about how, like, the fact our strikers can't, um, can't put the ball away at such, at such fine margins. And I think the majority of the problem last night was individual error. Aye. I don't think it's I don't think it's a failure in coaching. I think 
Robinson talked after one of the, the previous games in the run about us trying to play in front of teams too much and to, to try and play kind of cute stuff when we're at our best playing that ball kind of round the back. Lots of good stuff happened last night by playing by playing that way, by stretching St Johnston exactly the same as we'd done in the 4-0 back at the end of October. Um, so yeah, I, I think we've probably said all that we need to to say about about this one. Um, I don't think we're going to find any new kind of morsels of gossip or information in Charles Dunn being a bit rash in his own penalty box. Aye. Um, and going straight back out of the team as soon as Richard Taylor's fit again. I, I don't think... I mean, what more can we tell you about Greg Kelty passing up a chance like that, about Aye. Mandron passing up a chance like that, about a young... I mean, is that three games in a week that a youngest started? Aye, yeah. after 300 days, aye. Yeah, that's not an excuse for not putting one away, but I also don't think you're necessarily seen the polished, you know, the kind of finished article no. No. at this point. Um, and I, I think, think if we, we play more in, games like last night, a uh, younger will score more goals. We sat in on his, uh, it was the first time at an away game uh, that we've seen an away player. We've sat in, obviously, we sit in the press conferences after the game and... Uh, it's the first time I've seen an away player do an interview. I don't know if that's happened. It's usually just Robinson that comes in. And, uh, that's a bit younger than a wee bit for the press. And he had, he'd said himself, like you said, when he's running, he still feels his knee. He still maybe feels a wee bit hesitant to do certain things, but he knows he knows in the back of his head that it's okay and that nothing is going to go wrong. But it's always just a doubt that you'll have in your head. You always think, oh, like... If I do this, if I maybe stretch too far, then something could pop out. Like, but he, he said it's still going to take him. He's still on a rehab program that he'll be on all the way until the end of the season. He said, so like it's. I, I think we had said it before, before he actually came back that the expectation where Yunga needs to really, really be lowered, and we probably won't see him at his best again until January. I think it's now been worsened because of the run that we're on. Yeah, and he's I think it just amplifies everything. Yeah, and everyone thinks, oh, he was supposed to come back and be the saviour. Whereas he wasn't. He was to come back in, get a run of games, get fully fit, and then be really effective like he was before. But yeah. it's going to take time. You know, the guy's been out for nearly a full year. I, I don't know if, if we need to necessarily talk about individual um you know, there's, there's three other games that have happened since we last recorded one of these, but don't know if we necessarily need to go into each one in, in detail. I, th- I think maybe the kind of general point's worth worth looking at. I think you go back to maybe the draw at Rugby Park. Yeah. Not a bad result, but, you know, Hemming not covering himself in glory with, with that one and Michelle back not the best at one performance that day. So that's the 30th of September. There's only two games in October, which I think in itself is going to make people a little bit stir crazy. Just a lack of a lack of football to talk about. You stick a, a Rangers game at home in there where we looked a match for for what they were doing until we get a really daft individual error red card and then under, excuse me, understandably we're kind of put to the sword a bit. There's that St Johnston game where Dundee aside, that first half at St Johnston is among the worst Halfs of football, I think we've played Aye. all season. Um, and then in the second half, we just had a bit of a fire in us. And actually, I think we played very similar to how we played last night. The difference was that everything came off in that one. I think we've got four shots on target and scored four. Aye. 
Whereas we had five last night and scored nothing. And and they were shots from, I think Robinson said that in his post-matcher. We had five shots on target from much closer in than any right. of them were. And, and we didn't do anything with them. So I think you can almost go back to, to that point. You know, it sounds daft to say it about a 4-0 win, but I can't imagine that's a performance where Stephen Robinson would have been in the, the changing room after the game being like, fantastic lads. I want to see that every week. You're then into a really dense November where... Really good performance at Celtic Park. I don't think there's anything to be said about that. Went one up, held them off for as long as we could, despite conceding a penalty and all the rest of it. That Hibs game, we kind of rescued a point. Um, I think that's, I, I think that's the, the, worst that's, the worst I've seen us play. I think, apart from Ross County, was that, uh, was that Hibs game. I thought we were dreadful that day. I think, Dund- I think Dundee needs to stand in an island, nah, zone, nah, to be honest. I, I, and I don't say that to undermine you. I had to give myself <laughs> the same check. I think everything yeah, is I in context here with that being yeah. <laughs> that being a game on its own. Um, yeah, so not a great performance against Tibbs, but really good battling quality to get back in it. The Dundee game, we're not talking about again, but was one of the worst days of the football ever. Um, yeah. I did the commentary for someone Levy for the 1-0, and I honestly couldn't tell you if the ball hit the ground at any point nah, in that game. And I, I think that's... A parac- needed a paracetamol when it came off, didn't it? Just unreal. Um, I mean, I think we deserved to take the points, but it wasn't uh, It wasn't the kind of performance that I think... So, I, th- I think I think two things are, are true and, and are kind of contradictory. I don't think three away defeats in a row means that you're suddenly going to get relegated. But I do think this run of, I do think the, the kind of top three football that we were playing probably came to about a halt kind of early, like late September. And so, right. and I think that's why people are frustrated. We're now looking at the result of about two months worth of kind of slightly more sluggish performances, a, a bit a lack of confidence when you would think that the players would have a lot of confidence based on, on what had already gone. I don't think it's a case of teams figuring us out. I, I no. don't really buy that. I think I think we could play the same formation every week, every, like all season. And no and team in this last league, year. outside outside Rangers Celtic, no team in this league switches up their style every game. I don't. I, I, no. that whole and and we switch between between yeah. like possession. Like it's not as if we play one t- the whole time. We're, we're a fairly versatile football team, I would say, on the most part. Part of that, part of the struggle over the last little spell, I would say, is because we are looking a little bit downtrodden and we are a bit sluggish and, and not getting out. But generally speaking, I think we are quite a tactically adept, versatile yeah. team. We, I saw I saw some comment last night about us not having enough bodies to commit forward when we're in possession because we're isolated and because of it. And I just don't buy that at all. We attack in yeah. better numbers than I think. We have done going back to like Jack Ross in the championship, which is a, a different ball game. Like, we don't we um, four guys forward. Like, I think most of the time we get the ball in a halfway line. Last night, a young guy had support, and I think it, like yeah. latterly when it was Mandron, always had all this anger running past him. Our game is based on wing backs getting the ball and knowing that the other wing backs going to be coming in at the back post. Like, uh, I don't think that we could reasonably commit more players forward when we're playing on the counter. So. I don't really buy buy that. I think 
I think it'd be fair to say that in the early part of the season we outperformed the oh. results the results kind of slightly exceeded the performance, if that makes sense. I think we were the third best team in the division at that point. I don't think there's any dispute in that. But I think a lot of things that were marginal went our way. You know, we, we probably had I hate to go into kind of the realms of XG and all the rest of it, but we probably had about a goal in us and we were putting two in. Or you know, you look at like the, the, the win against Hibs at Easter Road right at the start, probably not a three gate a three goal game for for us, but we take our chances really well and it shows up. What we're seeing now against County, against uh, St Johnston last night, is that just kind of eking the other the other way and uh, is getting stung by it. I think there's some bad performances in there and I don't think there's any hiding from that and I'm I'm certainly not giving everyone a a pass for it. But I, I don't think it's that we were the best team in the league in in August and we're now the worst team in the the league, I, I think we're we're playing a game of fine margins, and we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Aye, there's a there's a. I mean, for a lot of the guys that are getting on about it's been the worst team in the league. There's a a points based system that uh, that we take part in every year. Uh, so it's this thing. So if you win a game, you play thirty eight games, and if you win a game, you get three points. If you draw a game, you get one point, and you lose, you get no points, and. Lo and behold, you play these 38 games and that tells you how good you are. And at the moment, we are fourth in the league, despite being absolutely rotten for the last three or four weeks, which tells the story about just how good we can be at times. And I think that's why as a wee bit absolutely. more frustrating, because we've just not, we've not hit the standards that we're, we're used to. But like, this happens to every single team in our league. That, that like this is because the margins are so fine. Yeah, I seen someone earlier. I can't remember if it was on the Discord or on one of the forums. Kind of knocking the quality of the league. I actually think it's maybe not that the league's got worse. I think the teams are all just a wee bit better now, and are all a wee bit more. It's semi aware. That, but to be just, honest, I well, just I've just um I've just pulled up the table there, right? So I know this is a bit reductive, but I'm just going to start at the bottom and work our way up to where we are, right? Livy, canny manager with a kind of purpose-built squad to suit a system yeah. and a guy who likes to spoil things on a surface that kind of spoils things and reduces things. Aberdeen, under Barry Robson, are a team who spend millions of pounds and are, on the most part, pretty functional and hard to break down. They don't play the best, most expansive football. So Johnston are managed by Craig Levine. They try their very best to pack the pitch out and to stop stuff happening, and to smash and grab, and that's what they did to us last night. Motherwell, under Kettlewell, have three good central midfielders, and outside of that, stifle teams, and have gave us a very, very evenly matched game, or have given us, what, two? Two very evenly two, matched two, games. Two, two tight games, eh? Yeah. Ross County, under Derek Adams, previously under Malky McKay, two guys who, as much as we rip the piss, are pretty tactically aware. They've got a lot of money to spend, they've got some good players in good positions, they make it really tough to, to break it down and they've got guys like Jordan White who are a big handful, kind of Mika Mandron-esque if, uh, if you want to do that. Dundee, managed by Dennett McInnes' former assistant, as good a, and resolute a performance at the back as I've seen all season. Again, like just couldn't get anywhere near them. Kamarnock, managed by Dennett McInnes, see what I said about Dundee. Hibbs, managed by Nick Montgomery, guy who out in the league built a reputation off of being very tactically astute building a team that was kind of tough to 
to break down and they've gone out and spent, what, 700 grand on a number nine. You've got us and then you've got Hearts Above as a guy who admittedly have a bit of a diddy, untested diddy for a manager, but have three times the budget we do and have built a team which is essentially hard to break down. That's not necessarily the league getting worse. It's that all 10 teams in the league this year couldn't really be split by a fag paper when it comes down to... The teams that have less money have more practical managers, more pragmatic managers. The teams that have got lots of money can make up for the fact that their managers aren't up to much by stacking their team with a good number nine who covers the cracks or a really fast winger who covers the cracks or in St. Johnston, for my money, maybe the best non-old firm keeper in the league. To be honest, they probably put him above Joe Hart in current form. That's not the league necessarily getting worse. It might be slightly worse to watch because you're not seeing teams tear strips off each other. You're not seeing um you're the not seeing that much similar. Uh-huh. And it's exactly what Martindale said at the start of the season. It's like you will just see teams shithousing each uh-huh. other uh-huh. all season. And I kinda think that's what's coming to to pass. I, I don't think it's this apocalyptic sign of like the league falling off a cliff. Just to it's, just to add about Martindale actually forgot to say this the Oh, day. This, this is incredibly unrelated, but it's fucking hilarious. No, it's not unrelated. It's actually about stats. So, uh, Please, please tell us. Speaking to uh, James before the game on Saturday, and uh, the guy from PLZ had like produced stats at like David Martindale's pre-match <laughs> about like how they were they were underperforming at like some like they were conceding like not point eight chances in an area of the pitch and like the passes per defensive action. Regardless, I had like this five or ten minute spiel about his stats. David Martindale at the end of it said, Are you a virgin? <laughs> <laughs> and like that, that's that is just, that's fucking incredible, man. Like I, but I just had to get that in before we before we continue. I actually forgot to say about that <laughs> after after he told us. It's just just incredible, man. But now yeah, you're right, the like if you look at that, you look at the league. One of the one of the league's better managers is currently sitting bottom of it. Like, yeah. And for all that fans slagged it when Craig Levine got involved at St Johnston, it was funny. But you're like, oh, ha ha, Craig Levine. Mind that time he went out for eight weeks to look for a manager and appointed himself. Like, forgetting that Craig Levine, for the most part, of his managerial career has been pretty successful, and he's really good at doing what St Johnston needed. I think if you were to stack the 12 managers in terms of ability you'd probably put Stephen Naismith at the bottom and he's third no. so I, it's, it's a it's, funny there's 13 points between 10 teams after somewhere between 14 and 16 games but it's it's so I tight I, mean, I think that's it's a block, it's like, there's no there's no getting away from it gone are the days I think where you had a an absolute charity case of a twelfth team. You know, it felt like under Gus there was always one. You know, Gretna folded or Hearts went into administration or just, yeah, it just felt like there was always one. I, I don't think that's the case now. I think got to be really money, competitive to stay yeah. in the division. The money's good, is. but there isn't enough of a difference between sixth and ninth that actually is Aye. going to give you that much of an advantage going into the the following season. And I think teams like Livy will overperform. Teams like Aberdeen will underperform. 
and you're all just kind of fighting over the same, the same. I mean, I, I just think this ten team block are going to cannibalise themselves all season. Right. Rangers and Celtic will get 20, 30 points ahead without really being that great this it's, year. It's Rangers and Celtic sides who are getting slaughtered for nothing good off yeah. of everybody, hey. But I don't think it's because the rest of the team's so shite. The rest of the teams are so shite that it's, I think it's that we'll all just take points. There's no team that's going to get 70 points this season, 75, right. but I just, I just don't see it. Um... Yeah, we probably don't need to waste too much more time talking about that. Um, I, I don't know that I can face talking about that Livia game, having had to talk about it on a live mic for two hours. Like it, kinda, it was so bad. It was... It, we done what we had to do. Like we got yeah. a goal from a good bit of play from uh, McMenamin's cousin. And uh, I've seen that's... That, that, that's, that, that's uh, that was That was one of the most... like daft things I've seen like just I know you hate me but you, you're allowed to call him like Boyd Munce it's his name like you don't need to but anyway like the, the goal was probably the only real moment of quality in that game and, John and it won the game and I like it just it was fairly forgettable but it was it was something that uh, Billy had said to me after the game when we were leaving the ground he was like that's just going to be like another forgettable win and in the whole time that Robinson's been here, we've had plenty of forgettable wins, but like they oh, all yeah. add up. But yeah, yeah. And they all add up, and that's it's better to have more forgettable wins than a couple of memorable ones because that really is what the majority of our time supporting someone in the top flight's been. You may, you remember every win because they they happen. You only win seven or eight games a season, and then you're reliant on draws and other teams dropping points to keep yourself in the league. So it's. The, the, the Levy game was boring but then you go and go to Dingwall and that, I, I just don't know what I, I don't know how to explain what happened like yeah, it was just it, dismal to watch short of again I think the Dundee game stands on its own but taken to one side games like that where you're getting absolutely mangled that county game might have been one of the least enjoyable summer matches to watch ever. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, it's, it's it's tough. I don't think anyone deserved to win. And do you mean I, th- I think both teams probably deserve to lose? Um, I don't know because I, I go back to that night. What Connor Randall misses a one-on-one that he blitters over the bar, and then gets oh, a second yeah. one-on-one that he hits right into Hemming's hand. Hemming then makes a, a great save from, I think it was at Purrington, who's the boy that was playing left wing back that night, makes a great save from him. And you're really right in your luck at that point. And then you think, what is what do Ross County do when they get a set piece? They throw it if they get a throw in, and they throw it into Jordan White. If they get a corner or a free kick in a good area, they aim for Jordan White. We do not pick up. But we don't get near the biggest guy in the box. A guy who literally has scored between 10 and 15 goals most seasons in this league because he's massive, he's athletic, and he pushes his way about the box and gets on the end of stuff like that, and we weren't savvy enough to stop it. And that's the most frustrating part, is that if we had drawn that county game now now and drawn last night against St. Johnson, I don't think the uproar's half as bad as it was because you're two points better off. But the way we lost that county game was just 
but and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Some of the the substitutes as well. Like there's guys that just look as if they can stay on the park no matter how bad they play. And I don't know if it's because they're kind of a lack, like a, just a lack option, but it's not because I think well, then the, the guy that we're talking about, well, the guy that I'm talking about, Sohara, and I think for the most part, early on this season as well, pre-injury and the whole of last season, Marco Harris a the Rolls Royce when he when he's played, he's brilliant. But I think he's a million pound player last season. Yeah, like he really is. In the drop offs, just I don't know, like, I don't know where it gets put down. Is it injury? Is he? Is it because he's suffering for playing in a two rather than a three, and he's not got the like, license to get forward a wee bit more? Like, I just don't know. I don't, I don't have the answers. But how he's managed to stay in the park, it's. I thought he was better against Rangers, but it went back to last night. Some he's but one of the passes he played the second half, he goes out to hit the ball to McMenamin, and he just, you know, cannons the ball at the side of the park, and you're like, yeah, it just doesn't look right. That's crazy, like. I think part of the, the issue there as well, and I think on balance of our three central midfielders, I think Marco Harris is probably the best. Yeah. I, I think he's the most complete player when he's when he's at it. But I think the issue is, excuse me, I think when we're having more of the ball and we're playing in front of teams, Boyd Munz is the best ball player in, in that midfield. He's the one that you want to play that kind of clipped ball over the top to see the the pass he's probably the one with the best shot um from Aye. from distance if it's if it's needed. And also I think the best midfielder we've got in terms of breaking stuff up, particularly in a stuffy game, is Bacchus. We lose so much from him not playing. So while Marco Hara feels like he should be first pick, I think we miss too much we lose too much currently from leaving out either Boyd Munce or Bacchus. And I think I was going to use this to take us on to talking about Ross County on on Saturday and maybe that's, I'll, I'll try and fashion this into a question, but if there were to be changes made, for, uh, first of all, do you think, given we were the better team last night, there should be significant changes made heading into County and if we were to make changes, are you close to the point where a three-man midfield is, is maybe the, the way to go? Aye. I think we, we sacrifice a lot of what we're good at by not having three in midfield. And see, see when they, like, that's not to say that Robinson's got it wholly wrong because see, at the start of the season when the three four three was working, it was great. But yeah, yeah. I just think that maybe maybe we just need a wee bit of a change, something to freshen up and to get the best out of guys like O'Hara. Like, obviously, I, I, I think a three five two would really suit us just now with... I think Boyd Munce, I said that we're obviously going to get to, to talking about the Rangers game, but I think Boyd Munce really, there's a kind of Erehorn-like performance, and probably the same again last night. He, he goes in, he wins the ball, he's strong in the tackle. I think he's a bit more physically imposing than what people probably give him credit for. He's a, a tough tackler, but what he does really well is he looks to play the ball like first time, gets into good areas, and I feel that if we could go back to the... Look at the midfield three that we had in the first half of last season when it was Bacchus, O'Hara and, and Erehon. You don't really traded much off if you were to put Boyd Munson and Bacchus and O'Hara just in front of him. A, a three could really work and then it, you've got plenty of combinations up front. You've got a, you could play a younger way. I think my preference, probably even based on last night as well, would probably be Olisanya. I think Olisanya done really well when he came on last night. Olisanya uh, next to a younger. 
yeah, I, I think Olisanya done really, really well when he came on last night. I think in terms of like, can I, he has he has that one thing that no one else that maybe only Martin Boyle and a couple, maybe Martin Boyle and Dyson Maeda have in this league is like yeah. being genuinely when they take off and they're a few yards ahead of folk, they're not getting near them. They're that fast. No one, no one in the league gets close to them. And like obviously he's technical abilities, but he's not the he's not the the most polished player, but Dyson Maeda. He's really, really effective, Olisanya. We've seen it plenty of times this season when he's had a hand in goals and obviously the goal that he scored in Easter Road. Like he's, he's had chances and it's all because he uses his assets really well to get in good areas. And I think if he were to go back to a 3-5-2 this Saturday, I don't know what he'll plan on doing with the wing-backs or the back three. I think Richard Taylor had, I think Robinson said last night something about him training on Astro. Right. You know, he had so something something to do with him training the national turf. I think you need to go back and listen. I can't remember what it was he said. I think he hopefully fit for the weekend. But I think if you go Boyd Munns back as O'Hara midfield, even Kilty's went off the boil as well and go back to having a front two and causing problems. I think if you're playing a team like Ross County who have a particularly slower backline, maybe Nightingale, Leakin and Baldwin, probably really get at them. And a younger's no slouch as well. Like no. Totally, and I think I think if Kilty is playing at the level he was at the start of the season, and I think if McMenamin is doing what he does at the start of the season and continuing to kind of maybe add a bit more goal involvement, it's really tough to move away from that front three. But that's not what we're getting just now, I don't think. I, I don't think Kilty's been a particularly effective... I mean, you, you, the, the ball across for the, the goal against Livy accepted... Yeah. I don't think Kilty's been at his best for, you know, similar to Hara for maybe five, six, seven games, um, unless that's unless that's harsh. So I wouldn't be against changing something up. I, I think if, if McMenamin was to play on... So I mean, I think there's a lot of nonsense talked about McMenamin, if I'm honest, but I don't think he's been perfect. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not saying that. I don't think he's above criticism. I would be interested to see what he could do in, at left wing. You know, he's, his performances for Northern Ireland, he's been a real standout, set up that goal, that fantastic goal against Denmark, breaking on the left and then playing one. And that's, you would like to think that the way that a really well-organised Northern Ireland team are taking apart Denmark is how we are going to play against, against. high possession, big yeah. big teams. You know, I think there's maybe a lesson in having someone like Ayunga or Olisanya tearing through the centre of the pitch and having someone like McMenamin who's capable of buying the space and then playing a ball good enough to to, to get in behind. I would like, if, if we do persist with wide men, I would like to see McMenamin get a shot on the left. If that means Kilty starts on the right, I don't think it's such a bad thing. Like, he set up Greaves' goal at the start of the season from the right-hand side. I mean, he's both footed. He hits corners with his left and right foot. Like he's... Yeah, I just, I don't want to see McMenamin at wing-back again. And I, I, I would like to see him have a go on the left-hand side playing as a more conventional winger. I don't think the whole Greg Stewart cutting on your left foot thing's really working just now. Yeah. It's, we're not getting the best out of him. And particularly now that Ryan Strain is off the scene, yeah. he's also not going to get the support that he had on that kind of right-hand side, that overlap that allows you to cut back in. Um, all the time, you're kind of relying on Ryan Flynn or Marcus Fraser or whoever it is to, to do that. And I don't think you're going to get that quite as often. I, I think... 
McMenamin might get a bit more joy playing ahead of Tanser on the left-hand side, if, if that's right. what we do. I would be disappointed to see us start the same the same side, or at least the same shape on on Saturday. I think if, if we keep the same shape, we probably need to switch a couple of players out and try something a little different. Aye. Um, but I, I don't think I don't I don't think it's hitting a panic button to suggest that actually a wee change of shape um might not Aye. be you know might be in order. Aye. No, it's, it's something that we've done as well. Like there's games where we've went. There's a couple of games this season where we've went with two up front. Yeah, yeah. when a younger was first back, we we started. Yeah, that. and and yeah. dropped Kelty back one. But I just I I don't. Uh, Robin, everyone, uh, not everyone, like. A lot of guys are going on as if Robinson's this clueless guy who doesn't doesn't know what he's doing. Like him and him and O'Carroll are smart. They're, they're both they're really good at what they're doing. They'll have a good idea in their head of what will work against certain teams and what won't. I think we maybe need to stop worrying so much about other teams and kind of go back to like make teams worry about us because that's yeah. I kind of got the impression that that's what it was at the start of the season. These teams were having to figure out how to deal with us. And it looks as if it's maybe flipped in its head a wee bit, and I uh, like uh, Robert. He will turn it around. Like I don't have any doubt in my mind. He'll, he'll turn it around, and Saturday would be a great place to start by getting a win against a resurgent Ross County team who do, look as if they're probably now have a good manager. Like Ross County have have a, a good manager, a guy who kind of comes in and gets reactions out of teams that like he's done down in England, but also. If he stays around, builds good sides. You know, like we've done with Plymouth, we've done with Morecambe. Like, it, it'll be tough, but I, I think two up front would be a really good way to combat what, what they do. I think so. I, I think it just takes something at this point. I think um, a lot of the people um, who, who seem to be kind of losing their minds about Robinson just now off the back of, what, is it seven? Is it seven games without... Six games without um, a goal from open, uh, our player scoring from. Oh, Lewis Jameson was the last. So what was that? Yeah. Five games ago, I. So, yeah, a lot of people seem to be forgetting the twelve-game Jim Goodwin. Aye, <laughs> like, like... he did twice. Like I, I think we're we're so far away from a genuine crisis. It's untrue, but I, I do think this represents this represents maybe a little line in the sand, and you would be, I think. To come away from the next two Saturdays at home against County, yeah, who are a bit resurgent, but we're at home. We should we should have enough, and then Motherwell, who that you know kind of on form are the worst team in the the division Plymouth. as it stands. Yeah, yeah, it would be pretty tough going to be talking again in a fortnight's time and to still not have anything happy to talk about. I think, I think that kind of sends you into Christmas. Um, Slightly, you know, a trip to Tynecastle and then Kilmarnock, who you know we we don't have a great, uh, great track record against McInnes. I think uh, these two definitely represent the most likely sources of points between now and the between now and the end of the year. So they um they do become a bit bigger on that front. You amplify that with the last uh, the last month or so, and uh, it feels like the kind of game where if we're one 0 down at half time, we're going to get booed in. Yeah, eternal. Like it feels like that's the kind of mood, and it that feels a bit silly if I'm honest. But hey ho, it's on the it's on the manager, it's on the players to to kind of arrest the arrest the decline to turn that round. And uh, either way, we'll uh, we'll be around to talk about it. Um, it's myself and journalist Callum Woodger on commentary. 
against Ross County on uh, on Saturday. Callum's only previous commentary performance. Someone for St Johnston now. So Wow. Read uh, read into that what you will. Um and I think he got a four nil on his he got a four nil in his first game and it took Andrew what thirteen goals or something to watch <laughs> Super and finally fair, win a game. Andrew got a four nil in his first game as well. It was just I <laughs> <laughs> Jamie enjoyed the Jamie enjoyed the Ibrooks experience. Yeah. yeah. The chicken tikka masala to start when we went in. Pies yes. and sandwiches at half time. And then went into the the new press room as well at Ibrooks. They did in fairness nice. the media set up at Celtic Park and Ibrooks is just tremendous. It's so far ahead of the so far ahead of what you get at other grounds. I'm actually I think me and you run for Tinkast, aren't we? In the end of the month. I think so. No one else has put their hand up, so I think it is. Good. Fuck them at Sibbles. Uh that that will be good as well. I've been told uh been told You're to not be a game before Christmas, no? Twenty third, nah, we don't have a game. Smashing. Which is ideal. I uh, I don't I think we will be very lucky to play a game between now and the new year. Yeah. Uh, the last last two weeks have been off the uh, frozen frozen pitches, but we made all just... our games getting cancelled. That would be good. <laughs> <sighs> well, Frank McDougall paid for pitch has uh, taken a bit of a battering at the moment and did in the last game we played look like an absolute totty field as well uh, after about 60 minutes to the point where the referee was beginning to start moaning about how bad it was getting well, like, well you've now played 60 minutes you can't just decide it's bad now and stop playing the game you told the or mentioned the Frank McDougall connection on the podcast before now uh, yeah, I remember. I think it was the week week that he passed away. I remember I mentioned it, but I, I don't know if I went into the like, kind of like the specifics of like obviously like our pitch. Uh, yeah. I think when Frank signed for St Mirren from Clyde Bank, so Frank started at Glasgow Perthshire and then signed for Clyde Bank, and then we bought him for one hundred eighty five grand, which was a Scottish record at the time. Uh, we beat Celtic to his signature, and uh, because of the kickback at the time. Um, but I think like I, I wouldn't. I think it might have been like ten percent or something went to went to the Shire, and what we done with that was like lay the foundations for the real like, pavilion we have uh, to like kind of improve the general terracing area around the pitch, and to like fully. We still had an ash park at the time, and mm-hmm. laid a laid a grass park which is built on like. You know, tremendous foundations. Like it doesn't if ever if it's rain, like torrential rain, the games are never off. Remember them there was the flooding, maybe like yeah, yeah. October time. The weather was like particularly bad. Like we were the only game in Glasgow on that day. Like it, but it's built on concrete and uh I if it freezes the concrete is it's it's gra- gra- like gravel and dirt on top of concrete, the grass on top, it's Thanks. rock solid. Yeah, uh, it's particularly bad, but yeah, that that's the the connection. And Frank, yeah, uh, kept in touch with a lot of guys at our at our team as well. It uh, was really good yeah. pals with the club secretary. We get uh, still trying to they're trying to get a hold of Tony Fitzpatrick to make that he's obviously from out that way as well. He's he played for a uh, possible YM when he was a boy, so uh, yeah. he's like pally with a couple of guys, but they're trying to get a hold of him. But uh, Tony is too busy. Doing competitions for PS fives to to reply. So too busy taking Jamie to Italian restaurants in the back of a stretch level. 
what was the what was it the driver said again? Or oh, Jamie said to the driver again. That was fucking good though. Like Yeah, it was superb. Anyone uh, try and find that on Twitter if you haven't seen it already. Yeah, Highlight of my season. Anyway, uh, I think we, we wrap this one up. We've um we've got it out of our system. We're heading into two guaranteed three points over the next ten days or so. Um That's the thing, I wouldn't be surprised if we've done it though. Like it's just such as such as the way we do it. I think minimum the minimum expectation is four points. Like, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but uh, yeah, we do need to win. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no um, there's no getting away from it. But uh, yeah, um, as mentioned, uh, join the Patreon this month for a chance at winning a half season ticket. Um, as you might have noticed on social media, Jamie's business Paisley Craft Beer have partnered with Sitman to produce the official lager of Sitman Football Club. The first batch sold out in what a day and a half. Two days. Something I think like it that. was. Uh, it was. It was um, very, very quick. I think he's due another batch in um, at the start of the start of next week. So, um, really nice bit of uh, bit of history and uh, alcohol to get your hands on, if you can at all. Uh, we are. We released a new Jonah Younger T-shirt just uh, just at the the end of the other weekend there, based on Weezer's Blue album. If that's the kind of thing you're into, which Andrew definitely is. Um, we'll maybe try and sneak another couple of things up there before Christmas if uh, if we can so keep an eye on that but beyond that all I have to say is fuck Chris Kane uh, fuck Arnold Clark Sports Social Podcast Network with the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.